Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Cade. And you're listening to... Mysterious Mysteries 21. We will be talking about Amelia Dyer today. Some of the material material we will be discussing <laughs> is very graphic. Listener discretion is advised, so sit back, <laughs> relax, and enjoy. enjoy. <clears throat> Told you you were going to screw it up. <laughs> Two episodes <laughs> three. Let's see if we can make it three. <laughs> Alright, so Amelia Dyer. Why did I have two of these? Okay. <clears throat> Just to fuck with me. Probably. Alright, so this is going to be a two-part. Because there's a lot of information for this. A whole bunch. Okay. Don't want to read that part yet. Just going to give it away. Alright, so Amelia Dyer was a baby farmer. Someone who, for a fee, would look after children, usually illegitimate, until a home could be found for them. Miss Dyer was 57 years old and used the Salvation Army as a reference in 1895. She moved to reading and began advertising. It wasn't long before small bodies were being fished out of the Thames. One of the bodies recovered had a tape around its neck and was wrapped in a parcel. The paper enclosing the corpse had an address on it, and this is what traced to Miss Dyer. But she had moved on. He's a spider. <laughs> she was eventually arrested in April of 1896. By May, seven tiny bodies had been recovered. All had the tape around their necks, and all were parceled? Parceled? Parceled, probably. Yeah, we'll go with parceled. She soon confessed, saying, You'll know all mine by the tape around their necks. She came to trial in May of 1896 at the Old Bailey. She was, in fact, only tried for the murder of, of a four-month-old Doris Mormon. Marmon. They found how many? <clears throat> oh. We'll, a, a, a number. We'll get there. It, it's It's a lot. The defense tried defense. Jesus, I can't fucking read today. The defense tried to prove insanity but failed. The motive for the murder seemed to be nothing more than greed. But as soon as she was in receipt of the boarding fees, she would kill the children to make room for more. The jury took five minutes to find her guilty, and she was sentenced to death. She was hanged at New Newgate on the 10th of June of 1896. By James Burlington. Imagine that. Imagine going to court. <clears throat> they literally walk out and walk right back in and yeah, say, no. yeah, you're guilty. Alright, so that was just pretty much the prologue of Amelia Dyer. Now we're going to get into her earlier years and all the shit she did. So what started the baby <clears throat> killing, apparently. Pretty much. Amelia Elizabeth Dyer, nee Hobley, I believe that is her name, uh, 1838 till June 10th of 1896, was the most prolific baby farm murderer in Victorian England. She was tried and hanged for one murder, but there was little doubt she was responsible for many more similar deaths, possibly 400 or more. 
over a period <laughs> of perhaps 20 years. I think they came to a conclusion of over like 700. And you got tried for one. And got hung for <laughs> one. Yeah. Alright, so her background. <clears throat> Unlike many of her generation, Amelia Dyer was not the product of grinding poverty. She was born the youngest of five with three brothers, Thomas, James, and William, and a sister, Anne, in the small village of Pyle Marsh, just east of Bristol, now part of Bristol's urban sprawl known as Pyle Marsh. The daughter of the master shoemaker, Samuel Hobley, and Sarah Hobley, uh, she learned to read and write and developed a love for literature, poetry. However, her somewhat privileged childhood was marred by the mental by, by the mental illness of her mother, caused by typhus. Amelia witnessed her mother's violent fits and was obligated to care for her until she died died raving in 1848. Researchers would later comment on the effect this had on Amelia and also what it would teach Amelia about the signs exhibited by those who appear to lose their mind through illness. So, <clears throat> already starting your yeah. serial killer, you know, had a shitty childhood, had to grow up quick. Mother, parent died at young age. <clears throat> she watched her mom die. Yeah. <clears throat> so, after her mother's death, Amelia lived with her aunt in Bristol for a while before serving an apprenticeship with a corset maker. Her father died in 1859. Her eldest brother, Thomas, inherited the family shoe business in 1861. At the age of 24, Amelia became permanently estranged from the, at least one of her brothers, James... Oh, so... She was permanently estranged from her, at least one of her brothers, James. That's fucked up. Okay. Yeah. Moved into a lodging in Trinity Street. There she married George Thomas. George was 59, and they both lied about their ages on the marriage certificate to reduce the age gap. George deducted 11 years from his age, and Amelia added 6 to her age. Many of the sources later reported this age as fact, causing much confusion. She was underage. Yeah. That's still a lot of fucking 17 years. Yeah. So for a couple of years, after marrying George Thomas, she trained as a nurse, a somewhat grueling job in Victorian times, but it also seemed as a respectable occupation, and it enabled her to acquire useful skills. Yeah, useful. <laughs> from contact with the midwife Ellen Dane she learned she learned of an easier way to earn a living using her own home to provide lodging for young women who had conceived illegitimately and then farming off the babies for adoption or allowing them to die of neglect and malnutrition Ellen Dane was forced to decamp to the US shortly after meeting Amelia to escape the attention of the authorities. Unmarried mother... Okay. They have commas and apostrophes in places that they shouldn't, and I should have really proofread this before we did this. Oh, check. Yeah. 
Unmarried mothers in Victoria, England often struggled to gain an income since the 1834 Poor Law Amendment Act had removed any financial obligation from the fathers of illegitimate children while springing up their children in the society where single parenthood and illegitimacy that's a tongue twister word were stigmatized. This led to the practice of baby farming, in which individuals acted as adoptions or foster agents in return for regular payments for or a single upfront fee from the baby's mothers. Many businesses were set up to take these young women and care for them until they gave birth. The mothers subsequently left their unwanted babies to be looked after as nurse children, quote unquote. The, the term baby farming already sounds bad. Believe it or not, she's not the only one in this era of time either that was doing this. Yeah, but the term itself. Oh yeah, baby farming. Just, yeah, that's great. There were pro, you know, there had to be people that were you know legitimately doing it and not just oh yeah, come in, I'll take care of your baby shank. I know she didn't shank them. She just starved them to death. Wrap tape around their necks. So, the predicament of the parents involved was often exploited for financial gain. If a baby had well-off parents who were simply anxious to keep the birth secret, the single fee might be as much as 80 pounds. Okay, there's that. Okay, I really should have proofread this. Fee might have been as much as 80 pounds. 50 pounds might be negotiated if the father of the child wanted to hush up his involvement. However, it was more common for these ex expecting young women whose immortality, morality, immorality, that's the word, even precluded acceptance at that time into workhouses to be impoverished. impoverished. I'm learning some big words today. Such women would be charged about five pounds. Jesus, I really should have proofread this. <laughs> and back, back in that time, I remember, you know, that was a decent amount of money. Oh, yeah, I mean, to get 80 pounds to 50 pounds per child? I don't know what the actual <laughs> like, yeah, money is, but back in the 1800s, that's quite a bit of money. Yeah, I, I don't know what the, you know, the corner on the baby market is to, you know, today, but... <laughs> Check it out on the black market. I'm sure it's on there. <laughs> Just Google up black market. <laughs> it's like Amazon now. <laughs> oh, that's fucking awful. <laughs> no, I just got to go to that one uh, store, people, that, that one online store that people thought they were selling people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so carriers resorted to starving the, the farmed-out babies to save money and even to hassen death Hasten. 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 Okay. Noisier demanding babies could be sedated with easily available alcohol <laughs> and or opioids. I mean, this is the 1800s. I'm surprised they just didn't just yeah. uh, Let's see. Godfrey's, Godfrey's cordial, known as Mother's Friend, a syrup containing opium. 
was a popular choice, but there were several there were several other similar preparations. Many children died as a result of such dubious practices. Opium killed far more infants through starvation than directly through overdose. Dr. Greenhow investigated for the Privy Council noted how children kept in the state of continued nars nar narcosis narcotism narcotism well I'm really showing y'all my stupid side today I cannot read um continue will be there by <laughs> god disin di oh that's the easy word disinclined for food and but imperfectly nourished death death from blah, blah, blah. death from severe malnutrition would result but in the coroner was likely to record the death as debility from birth or lack of breast milk or simply starvation mothers who chose to reclaim or simply check on the welfare of their children could often encounter difficulties but some would simply be too frightened or ashamed to tell the police about any suspected wrongdoing even the authorities often had problems tracing any children that were reported missing. I'm sorry if that whole area of just confused the hell out of y'all because I confused myself a couple times. I'm sorry. <clears throat> it's going to be a good day. <laughs> Alright, so. This is a world opened up to her by the new departed Ellen Danes. Amelia had... Amelia had had to leave nursing with the birth of the daughter Ellen Thomas. In 1869, the elderly George Thomas died and Amelia needed an income. And here starts the murders. Amelia was apparently keen to keep money from baby farming and alongside taking an ex expectant woman, she would advertise to nurse and adopt a baby in return for the substantial... That sounds even worse. Okay. One-off payment and et etiquette clothing for the children. In her advertisements and meetings with clients, she assured, assured them that she was respectfully married and that she would provide a safe and loving home for their children. At some <laughs> point in her baby farming career, Amelia was prepared to forego an expense and inconvenience of letting the children die through neglect and starvation. Soon after the receipt of each child, she murdered them, thus allowing her to pocket most of all of the entire fee. For some time, Dyer eluded the resulting interest of police. She was eventually caught in 1879 after a doctor was suspicious about the number of children, child deaths he had been called to certify in Dyer's care. However, instead of being convicted of murder or manslaughter, she was sentenced to six months hard labor. <laughs> For neglect. The experience allegedly almost destroyed her men mentally, though others have expressed incredulity. Others expressed at the leniency of the sentence when compared to those handed out for lesser crimes at that time. So upon release, she attempted to resume her nursing career. She had spells in the mental hospitals due to her alleged mental instability and suicidal tendencies. These always coincide with times when it was convenient for her to disappear. 
Being a former asylum nurse, Amelia knew how to behave to ensure a relatively comfortable existence as an asylum inmate. Dyer appears to have begun abusing alcohol and opium-based products early in her killing career. Her mental instability could have been related to her substance abuse. In 1890, Dyer cared for the illegitimate baby of the governess. When she returned to visit the child, the governess was immediately suspicious and stripped the the baby to see if it had the birthmark. Okay, so to see if she had the birthmark on his hip. It wasn't, and prolonged suspicion by the authorities led to Dyer having or finding a breakdown. Dyer at one point drank two bottles of laudanum. I have no idea what that is. I'm assuming it's a drug. And a serious suicide attempt, but her long-term abuse had built up her tolerance (laughs) to opium products, so she survived. Wow. (laughs) That sucks. It's like taking Oxycontin for like five fucking years, for like five years straight. And then trying to overdose on it, and you're just just high as fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Inevitably, she returned to baby farming and murder. Dyer realized the folly of involving doctors to issue death certificates and began disposing of the bodies herself. (laughs) When you're literally asking to get caught. Yep. The nature and extent of her activities again prompted undesirable attention. She was alerted to the attentions of police and of parents seeking to reclaim their children. She and her family frequently relocated to different towns and cities to escape suspicion, regain anonymity. I'm not going to try to say that word. What was it? Anonymity. That's the word we're saying. And to acquire new businesses. Over the years, Dyer used a succession of allies. 1893, Dyer was discharged from her final committal at Wells Mental Asylum. Unlike previous breakdowns, this had been most discreditably disagreeable. Oh, disagreeable. Had been. This doesn't look like it's spelled right to me. Okay. So, most disagreeable experience, and she never entered another asylum. Two years later, Dyer moved to Caversham, Berkshire. So, I guess that's a town in Berkshire. Accompanied by an unsuspecting associate, Jane, or. Granny Smith. Oh, is that where they came with the Granny Smith apples? No wonder they taste like ass. Hey, I fucking love Granny Smith apples. <laughs> I, do, well, I, I do too. I can't say anything. I don't like the red ones. The red ones are too sweet. Yeah, I gotta get the golden ones. Nope, it has to be green. Solid green. Alright. <clears throat> Amelia had recruited from a brief spell in a workhouse, and Amelia's daughter and son in law, Mary Ann, known as Polly, and Arthur Palmer. This was followed by a move to Kingston Road, Reading, Berkshire. Later the same year, Smith was persuaded by Amelia to be referred to as mother in front of innocent women handing over their children. This was an effort to present a caring mother-daughter image. The murder of Doris Mormon, or Marmon, I don't know how to pronounce that last name. In January of 1896, Evelyn Marmon, a popular 25-year-old barmaid, gave birth to an illegitimate daughter, Doris, in a boarding house in 
Chelt Cheltenham. Okay. She quickly sought out offers of adoption and placed an advertisement in a miscellaneous section of the Bristol Times and Mirror newspaper. It simply read, Wanted, respectable woman to take young child. Marmon intended to go back to work and hoped to eventually reclaim her child. Apparently this is never going to happen. I would love... <laughs> not really love, but... To come across a newspaper article <laughs> saying, I want someone to take care of my baby and I will come for it... Eventually. Soon? <laughs> Maybe. <clears throat> I'll come for... Oh, I'll come for... Come pick him up soon. Yeah. Maybe. If I feel like it. <laughs> Coincidentally, next to her own was an advertisement reading, Married couple with no family would adopt healthy child. Nice country home, terms 10 pounds. Marmon responded to a Miss Harding, and a few days later she received a reply from Dyer from Oxford. So, Miss Harding is... Amelia Dyer's new name for this town. Alright, so from Oxford Road in Reading. Miss Harding wrote that I should be glad to have a dear little baby girl, one I could bring up and call my own. She continued. We are she, playing. I'm sorry, what? Did she just skip the part in the other lady's ad where it is like, I will come pick my child up eventually? Oh, I think it actually gets into that a little bit later. So, they are a plain, homely people in fairly good circumstance. I don't want a child for money's sake, but for company and a home comfort. Myself and my husband are dearly fond of children. I have no child of my own. A child with me will have a good home and a mother's love. <laughs> Evelyn Mormon wanted to pay a more affordable weekly fee for the care of her daughter, but Miss Harding insisted on being given the one-off payment in advance. Armin was in desperate straits, so she reluctantly agreed to pay the ten pounds, and a week later, Miss Harding arrived in Chet Chet Cheltenham. Mormon was apparently surprised by Dyer's advanced age and stocky appearance. He saw the picture. Yeah. Should be a quarterback. Here, <laughs> <laughs> pick up your child from the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys linebacker. Oh, don't bring the cowgirls into this. But Dyer seemed affectionate towards Doris. Evelyn handed over the daughter a cardboard box of clothes and ten pounds. Still distressed to, at having to give up the care of her daughter, Evelyn accompanied Dyer to the Chetel... Chetel... We're just going to call it the ham. <laughs> So, Ch Cheltenham, we're just going to call Ham, station. And then one to, God, Gloucester? She returned to her lodging, a broken woman. <laughs> a few days later, she received a letter from Miss Harding saying, All is well. Woman wrote back, but received no reply. Dyer did not travel to reading, as she had told Mormon. She went instead to 76 Mayo Road, Willstead, London, where her 23-year-old daughter Polly was staying. There, Dyer quickly found some white-edged tape used in dressmaking, wound it twice around the baby's neck, and tied a knot. Death would not have been imminent. Im immediate. Why was that so hard? <laughs> 
Amelia later said, I used to like to watch them with the tape around their neck, but it was soon all over with them. Uh. At this point, she enjoys yeah. doing this. Like, she literally says, I used to like to watch them with the tape around their neck, but it was too soon. It was soon all over with. And basically, I enjoyed it, but, but it, it they didn't died. Long enough. Yeah. It, they did. They died too quick for her liking. Go up in age range. <laughs> Might have some more fun. Might not make it back. Alright, so both women allegedly helped the, to wrap the baby in a napkin. Alright, you have to... These aren't napkins like we're yeah. used to today. These were like... Tablecloths, almost. For like, in tables. Yeah. I kept some of the clothes Marmon had packed. The rest was destined to... Oh, for the pawnbroker. That's right. Forgot about that. Dyer paid to rent... Paid the rent to the unwitting landlady and gave her a pair of the child's boot boots as a present for her little girl. The following day, Wednesday the 1st, April 1896, April Fool's Day, another child named Harry Simmons was taken to Mayo Road... However, with no spare white edging tape available, the length around Doris's corpse was removed and used to strangle the 13-month-old boy. I, I cannot stand when people... When your kid hits 12 months, they are a year old. Yeah. <laughs> Why the f... It makes right. no sense to me because when people are like, Oh yeah, my baby's 22 months old. I'm like... I have to actually sit there and do the math <laughs> instead of saying, oh, my baby's three. Oh, my baby's two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Stop putting it in months. Or People when, are not smart they, at math. Or when they keep doing it in weeks. In weeks. Oh, he's 104 weeks old. I don't know math, ma'am. Yeah, I'm not going to sit there and try to figure out how old your kid is. I'm just going to turn around and walk away. It's <laughs> just like, I'm done with this conversation. All right, so. Used to strangle the year-old... Boy, not 13-month-old boy. That's so stupid. <laughs> On April 2nd, both bodies were stacked into a carpet bag along with bricks for added weight. Dyer then headed for reading at a secluded spot she knew well near a wire at Carvisham Lock. She forced the carpet bag through railings into the River Thames. Dyer's downfall. Discovering the corpses... Unknown to Dyer, on March 30th of 1896, a package was retrieved from the Thames at reading by Bargainman. It contained the body of a baby girl, later identified as Helena Fry. In the small detective force available to reading, police headed to Chief Constable George Toosley. with these names. A detective... It's the 1800s. It's... Jesus. A detective constable Anderson made a crucial breakthrough, as well as finding a label from Temple Mead Station, Bristol. He used microscopic ana analysis of the wrapping paper and deciphered a faintly legible name, Mrs. Thomas, and an address. This evidence was enough to lead police to Dyer, but they still had no strong evidence to connect her with directly with a serious crime. <laughs> Additionally, evidence they gleaned 
over the witnesses and informed obtained from Bristol police only served to increase their concerns. And D.C. Anderson, with Sergeant James, placed Dyer's home under surveillance. Subsequently, intelligent, intelligence suggested that Dyer would abscond, abscond if she became at all suspicious. The officers decided to use a young woman as a decoy, hoping she would be able to secure a meeting with Dyer to discuss her services. This may have been designed to help the detective to positively link Dyer to her business activities, or it may have simply given them a reliable opportunity to arrest her. In it transcript, no, <clears throat> it transpired that Dyer was expecting her new client, the decoy, to call, but instead she found detectives waiting on her doorstep on April 3rd, Good Friday. How do you, how do you fuck that up? Police raided her home. They were apparently struck by the stench of human decomposition. Although no human remains were found, there were, however, plenty of other related evidence, including white edge tape, telegrams regarding adoption arrangements, pawn tickets for children's clothing, receipts for advertisements, and letters from mothers inquiring about the well-being of their children. The police calculated that in this previous few months alone, at least 20 children had been placed in the care of Miss Thomas now revealed by, by police to be Amelia Dyer. It also appeared that she was about to move home again, this time to Somerset. This rate of murder has led to some estimates that Miss Dyer may, over of the course of a decade, have killed over 400 babies and children, making one of the most prolific murderers ever, as well as the most prolific murderess ever. Helena Fry, the baby, removed from the River Thames on March 30th, had been handed over to the Dyer at Temple Mead Station on March 5th. That same evening, she arrived home carrying only a brown paper parcel. She hid the package in the house, but after three weeks, the odor of the decomposition prompted her to dump the dead baby in the river, as it was not weighted adequately, it had been easily spotted. Millie Dyer was arrested on April 4th and charged with murder. Her son-in-law, Arthur Palmer, was charged with as an accessory during April. The Thames was dragged and six more bodies were discovered, including Doris Mormon and Harry Simmons, Dyer's last victim. Each baby had been strangled with a white tape, which she, as she later told the police, was how she could tell if it was one of hers. Eleven days after handle, handing her daughter to Dyer, Evelyn Mormon, whose name had emerged in items kept by Dyer, identified her daughter's remains. <clears throat> that sucks. At the inquest into the deaths of early May... I thought it was late May. I could be thinking about something else. Okay. Early May, no evidence was found that Marianne or Arthur Palmer had acted as Dyer's accomplices. Arthur Palmer was discharged as a result of a confession written by Amelia Dyer. In reading Goal, she wrote, with her own spelling and punctuation preserved. Oh, God. <clears throat> I remember this part. Oh, God. Okay. How, how much of this is illiterate nonsense? I mean, she writes well, it's just Old English. Oh, okay. It's the... It's not the thy, they... <laughs> yeah, it's, no, yeah. it's none of that. 
Sir, will you kindly grant me the favor of the of presenting this to the magistrates on Saturday the 18th instant I have made this statement out? For I may not have the opportunity, then I must relieve my mind. I do know and I feel my days are numbered on this earth, but I do feel it is an awful thing drawing innocent people into trouble. I do know I shall have to answer before my Maker in heaven for the awful crimes I have committed. But as God Almighty is my judge in heaven, a on earth, that's literally what it says, neither my daughter Marianne Palmer nor her husband Alfred Ernest Palmer, I do most solemnly declare neither of them had anything to, at all to do with it. They never knew I con contemplated doing such a wicked thing until it was too late. I am speaking the truth and nothing but the truth as I hope to be forgiven. I myself and alone must stand before my Maker in heaven to give an answer for all to witness. My hand, Amelia Dyer. <clears throat> May 22nd, 1896. Amelia Dyer appeared at the Old Bailey and pleaded guilty to one murder, that of Doris Mormon. Her family and associates testified at her trial that they had been growing suspicious and uneasy about her activities, and it emerged that Dyer had narrowly escaped discovery on several occasions. Evidence from a man who had seen and spoken to Dyer when she had disposed of two bodies at the Caversham Lock also proved significant. Her daughter had given graphic evidence that to ensure Amelia Dyer's conviction. <clears throat> the only defense Dyer offered was insanity. Of course. What else are you going to do? I, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know they were real babies. I thought they were just little dolls. <laughs> <laughs> she had been twice committed to asylums in Bristol. However, the prosecution argued successfully that her exhibitions of mental instability had been a ploy to avoid suspicion. Both committals were said to have conceded with times when Dyer was concerned her crimes might have been exposed. It took the jury only four and a half minutes, so not five, Four and a half minutes to find her guilty. In her three weeks in the condemned cell, she filled five exercise. Yeah, I read that right. She filled five exercise books with her. Okay. Last true and only confession. <clears throat> Visited the night before her execution by the chaplain and asked if she had anything to confess. She offered him her exercise book, saying, Isn't this enough? Curious, curiously, she was subpoenaed. 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 I have uh, no yeah. idea. To appear as a witness in Polly's trial for murder, set for a week after her own execution date. However, it was ruled that Amelia was already legally dead once sentenced, and that, therefore, her evidence would be inad inadmissible. Okay, inadmissible. <clears throat> Thus, her ex execution was not delayed. On the eve of her execution, Amelia heard that the charges against Polly had been dropped. She was hanged by James Billington, a Newgate prison at Newgate Prison on Wednesday the 10th, June of 1896. 
the building just walks over and pulls the lever. <laughs> Ask on the scaffold. She had anything to say. She said, I have nothing to say just before being dropped at 9 a.m. precisely. Later developments. <clears throat> I can get in like half of my... I have nothing to say, but... <laughs> but... <laughs> I wasn't done yet. <laughs> it is uncertain how many more children Amelia Dyer murdered. However, inquiries from mothers, evidence of other witnesses, and materials found in Dyer's home included letters and many babies' clothing pointed to many more. The Dyer case caused a scandal. She became known as the Ogress of Reading, and she inspired a popular ballad. <laughs> the old baby farmer, the wretched Mrs. Dyer... At the Old Bailey, her wages is paid. In times long ago, we'd have made a big foray. <clears throat> and roasted so nicely that wicked old Jade. Subsequently, adopted laws were made stricter. Oh, I guess that was the end of that. Was it? Oh, yeah, it was. That was a small little ballad. Okay. The ogre of reading is dead. I thought you were going to start playing Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Subsequently, adoption laws were made stricter, giving local authorities the power to police baby farms. Why the fuck are we having to police baby farms? <laughs> Why are they still a thing? In the hope of stamping out abuse. Despite this and the scrutinizing of the newspaper personal ads, the trafficking and abuse of infants did not stop. Two years after Dyer's execution, railway workers inspected carriages of Newton Abbott. Uh, Devon found a parcel inside was a three-week year old girl but though cold and wet she was alive the daughter of a widow Jane Hill the baby had been given to a Miss Stewart for 12 pounds she had picked up the baby at Plymouth and apparently dumped her on the next train it was been it has been claimed that Miss Stewart was Polly okay and daughter of yeah the daughter of Amelia Dyer okay that's who I thought it was <clears throat> so, the baby farming continues in the family. Miss Polly uh, takes after her mother. Uh, family traditions. Uh, okay. Identified victims Doris Mormon, four months old, Harris Simmons, one year and a month old. <laughs> <laughs> Helena Fry, age unknown, one year or less. Um, she was also portrayed as Jack the Ripper, Ripper but had nothing to do with anything at that time. Because she was a murderer alive at the time of Jack the Ripper killing, some have suggested that Amelia Dyer was Jack the Ripper who killed the prostitutes throughout botched abortions. This suggestion, and that's, that does put it into perspective. I mean, she was killing kids, but she... You do it this way, you're not going to get a payment. Yeah. So she would be literally killing and doing abortions for free. This suggestion was put forward by author William Stewart. Although he preferred Mary... Piercy as his chosen suspect. There is, however, no evidence to connect Dyer to Jack the Ripper's murderers. 
and that's actually going to be one that we might talk about in the future mary uh piercy yeah um apparently new evidence came up that jack the ripper might have been jane the ripper that name's not gonna change that easily though i'm just saying i mean a lot of there's a lot of evidence saying that it was a woman who was doing all the murders not a man which see uh uh, I think the name stuck around for long enough at this point, where even if it is, it's not going to change. Oh no, Jack the Ripper, it's, that's going to stay forever. Well, that was part one. Um, part two, it's going to go in a little bit more detail over... Uh, I don't know, someone by the name of Tony Rennell, he apparently wrote this. I'm just reading it. Hopefully, a little bit better than part one. <laughs> but part two will be out next week at uh, some point. I think we're going to shoot for Tuesday at 4 a.m. again, like we did last time. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so next week it's going to be. 47 to 87, so 40 pages of literature that I will hopefully not butcher as bad as I did today. But you know what? I don't give a fuck because I don't care. And then you've got me just fucking up the intro. Oh yeah, that's that's gonna happen regardless. Hey, You're just was, that kind of special. Twice. Yeah, there's twice out of... This is number 11. <laughs> so... Two and nine. Alright, so... Um, as you all know, we're on Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Google Podcast, Breaker, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcast, and CastBox. And you can find us on... Facebook and Instagram at MysteriousMysteries21. And we have a couple shout-outs that don't have names because nobody's going on Instagram or the Facebook page and saying anything. Um, we do have shout-outs, and some of these are a little bit old, and sorry I'm getting to them right now. Uh, we're still trying to make this a thing, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, we have someone from the Philippines, uh, Switzerland. We have two listeners, I think, in Australia. We have one in India, one in Germany, two in Canada. We are in 17 states in the USA. And we just want to thank all of y'all for all of y'all's support. And thank y'all for listening. If y'all have any suggestions for a future episode, please get on Facebook or Instagram and let us know something. I mean, we have we have quite a few listens. I'm not going to say how many as of right now, but some of y'all could say something. So we can have a shout out with a name attached to it. That'd be great. Just don't send us your address because we don't want to put that on social <laughs> media or anything. So don't do that. that that's bad. That's very bad. <laughs> this person said. <laughs> This person at this address said this, 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 and this. 
Your discretion is advised. <laughs> this person said this, this, and this. Your discretion is advised. Wait, what? Exactly. I'm sorry, I'm working on, like, no fucking sleep. I'm almost delusional at this point. I think it's why I was fucking up so many of these words. No. Oh, I didn't fuck up those words because of lack of sleep. It was literally because... They had to put some of the hardest fucking words that you normally would not read on a daily basis all throughout this. And their punctuation and the grammar is awful. Instead of periods, it's just commas everywhere. Commas and apostrophes in places I've never seen apostrophes. We'll blame it on the old English. I guess we can go with that. Anything you'd like to add, Mr. Cade? No, other than give us some feedback. Like I said, Facebook, Instagram at MysteriousMisters21. Just let us know. Yep, and I will be posting pictures of this broad lady. Seriously, she... Looks like an NFL linebacker. If Fiona was human off of Shrek... (laughs) This is what she would look like in her 50s. Like, she's... I don't understand how people thought she was caring. (laughs) Honestly, she creeps me the hell out. So, I will definitely put that on Facebook and Instagram so all of y'all can have a look at this voluptuous woman. (laughs) In all the wrong areas. All the wrong areas. But that's all I have for tonight, and I hope y'all have a good day, good night, wherever you're listening. And we have will... a good time of day. But what if it's a time of night? Have a good time in between one a in between twelve a.m. and twelve a.m. So have a good day or good night. <clears throat> so much easier. But anyways, we will talk at y'all next week and stay safe and that's it. See y'all next week.